0: Welcome to another edition of Cloud Unfiltered. I'm your host, Michael Chenitz. We are here at KUKON. This is a special edition. We're um, coming to you live here. Well, not really live because it's kind of recorded. But anyway, it's it's semi-live. And today I have Josh Burkis from Red Hat. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about governance. Thank you, Michael. Yeah, so, so you know... Uh, this is such a hot topic, you know, because I feel like there there needs to be better governance in a lot of projects. And I'm really interested in talking to you and understanding um you know what 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 goes into this first of all. Like what tell, tell me about the process of it first.
1: Yeah. So, this is something that actually a lot of projects need help with? Yes. Um because you know, you start a project, like you say you start a project for a Kubernetes network Overlay driver, right? Yeah, um, and you do that because you're a talented network engineer, not because you're good at writing rules on on how pull requests are going to be evaluated. Yes, right. Um, so, um, one of the things that so the thing that that we've actually done within the CNCF is we started the single tag contributor strategy, um, and specifically, I and Don Foster of VMware mm-hmm. got into this because we're like. We've been doing this for 20 years, right? 20 years ago, figuring out governance for an open-source project was a total mystery, right? Absolutely. Nobody knew. We were drawing from the entire literature of how you govern organizations to figure it out. It's not a mystery anymore, right? We have 20 years of trying different models and figuring it out and coming up with kind of a few common ways that people run things um, that are sufficient for most projects. Yeah. Um, and so now we're trying to spread that so that projects can actually adopt them.
0: Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny because I actually had someone from Container Solutions who created an operator for, mm-hmm. um, you know, for secrets and, and things like yeah. that. So the external secret operator... And I had him on previously, and he's like, I have no idea, you know, you know we, need, we need a lot of help around the governance and, and how, and of the project. And I said, hey, I'm having, a, I'm yeah. having someone on that. So, so it's, it's really interesting that people are actually seeking this out now, yes. you know. Yeah, and, and it's good. I
1: mean, the good place that we're in now is it's something that most projects know that they need to do. Yes. Right? Whereas I'll say, you know, even five years ago it was something that a lot of projects thought that they only needed to do when they got really big. Um, the um, one of the ways I explain it to maintainers actually is that an important factor in governance is avoiding long run-on arguments. Nobody likes those. Yes. And the thing is, when there's a, anybody can work out a difference of opinion, you know, in a couple of meetings or a long GitHub comment thing or so forth, if they agree on what the rules are for working it out. Mm-hmm. But if they don't agree what the rules are, it really never terminates. Yeah, And lots of people who've worked in open source projects have that experience, right, where they, you know, it's never clear that it was decided one way or the other, which, yeah. which way this feature was going to go or whatever it was. And so I really strongly encourage, you know, people who even have a tiny project, right, a tiny project with three contributors, you know, that sort of thing, come up with really tiny, simple governance, you know we provide some example templates really tiny simple governance at the beginning because you only have 3 contributors you don't have time for some of these arguments
0: absolutely and so it's funny because I I often kid of that I'm going to create like a README git, git, uh, GitHub, yeah. uh, and all it has is um, you know uh, uh, I'm sorry Hello World GitHub and it has a Hello World uh, source but the governance doc is like <laughs> is like 50 pages long I think that would be just be the funniest thing in the world
1: the the thing is though of course you know you say this is is um, you could definitely do that and um, <laughs> the um, but like that's the other mistake I see people making yeah. right. Is they are not Kubernetes yeah. <laughs> or Linux or um, you know some other gigantic project, Absolutely right? ARM, right. something like that. And they're like, oh, we need project governance now. Let's actually, you know, adopt this thing based on this paper from the UN um, that is like 50 And I was like, no, no, you don't actually need that, right? The vast majority of projects, um, uh, open source projects on the internet, cloud native or otherwise. Um, should be running with what we call simple maintainer governance. Okay. Is you there know? an example
0: of that somewhere? Yes, there is. Okay. We, got, we
1: have a template. If you look oh, cool. in under the CNCF uh, namespace and GitHub and the uh, project templates repository, um, there is this file called governance-maintainer, and we simple maintainer council. And all it does is put down in a piece of documentation what people were literally doing for the project anyway, yeah. right? Which is our maintainers make all the decisions, um, this is how you become a maintainer, right? This is who the current maintainers are. Yeah. The, um, and that's good enough for the majority of projects. In fact, it is what the majority of projects are in fact doing. They just haven't necessarily written it down.
0: Yeah, and, and you know what? And that's such a huge thing because you, you know you always assume that you know, um, you're going to be able to solve these things, you leave it for questioning. And, and really what that does is it, it just leaves too much room for interpretation, too much room for questions, too much room for changes. You have to give people the model of, yes. of what to do of these are the, these are, these are the layers. And if you yeah. want to do this, do this. If you want yeah. to get to this, do this, give them yeah. the instructions in the framework.
1: Yeah. And, and like the simplest example of that is again, taken from a like simple maintainer governance, um, One of the problems you'll have is that you'll have in there, they'll have, like, for example, a reviewing guideline, right? And they'll have an instruction there of, okay, if you want to do this, ask a maintainer, right? But you haven't put in your repository anywhere who is the list of current maintainers. And so they ask someone who is very vocal and seems very knowledgeable, you know, on your main development mailing list, and that person approves of it. And then it turns out that person's not actually a maintainer. And as a result, this contributor then starts pitching a fit about why has my stuff not been accepted,
0: Wow, um, does that happen often? That happens. Yeah, yes, really. I have seen that happen more than once. Wow, that's that's interesting. I've, I've never yeah. even thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> the
1: um, yeah, and and some projects require more complex maintainer stuff, right? Um, one of the ones I designed in there is called subprojects template, and I designed it for um, well, I working with a bunch of other people and Dawn and some of the other things, copied it off a template from the Prometheus project, simplified it, made it more generic. Um, for a project called Conveyor, that also similarly, it's a bunch of semi-detached sub-projects under that share a common framework, um, but that like want to approve their own PRs individually, et cetera. Um, and that's a more complex structure, and it's not one you don't you want to adopt if you don't already have that situation. But if you do have that situation, then it's really important to have a set of rules that says okay what do the individual subprojects approve, and what does the master project approve?
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I feel like the, um, you know, just looking at, you know, when I think about projects, people are worried about, like, okay, what licensing do I use, and they just, you know, I think they pick the, the first licensing that, that just sounds good and yeah. not really looks at that. So, you know, I feel like that most people, what they're gonna do is, like, just as they copy that licensing, they're going to start out by copying a project that they think is, you know, that, that they like the governance for and then modify it. Do you think that's yeah. what happens most of the time?
1: I, I think that happens a lot. Um, the, um, and by the way, I'm also <laughs> on the board of the Open Source Initiative. So on behalf of the Open Source Initiative, let me say, please pick a common popular license. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> And
1: please do not write
0: your own license.
1: No, that would be a, a
0: for, you know a recipe for disaster. I would I would think. I,
1: you'd be shocked <laughs> at the number of people who think that that's still the thing to do.
0: Do they think they can write their own authentication and uh, and authorization schemes too? Because that's pretty pretty close to doing that. <laughs> oh, that's also very popular. That is also very popular. You know, and I, and I think that's those those are the types of things that me as you know doing a little bit of development I wouldn't touch. <laughs> yeah. The
1: um, but um, yeah. So people copy a lot, and actually we yeah. had this. The um, one of the reasons to do the project template, in is that one of the ones that people copy all the time is. The Kubernetes one? Of course. And there's a couple of problems with that. One is a bunch of the stuff is kind of messy in its writing style because for Kubernetes, we developed it from scratch. Yeah. Right? We didn't have good examples. But it means that what's there currently is not necessarily as clear as it could be. Um, the, um, and the second thing is you have five developers. You're not Kubernetes. You do not want to copy Kubernetes-layered, multi-committee yeah. um, governance structure. Yeah. Right? Because you don't have the people to occupy all of those positions.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Start smaller than that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I know you mentioned that there's a maintainer file, and to, and, and you could absolutely do that. But what do you suggest as, like, first steps? If, they, if Let's say we, they're not going to use that. Like, what are the steps people need to take to start governance? Are there things to think about? Are there things – like, what are the common elements?
1: Um, well, I mean, the common elements, and this is you draw from one of the maintainer thing, is that, first of all, the leaders need to be identified. Yeah. Right? There needs to be, like, in writing, who are the actual project leaders who are allowed to make decisions. Yeah. Right? That's actually just kind of a big thing. Yeah. Um, and a, a thing that is often missed. Um, I, I've actually seen organizations with surprisingly complex governance structurally, and then they don't actually keep the committee lists up to date.
0: Yeah. That happens um, quite often, I, yeah. I notice.
1: Yeah. The um, and um, and then if somebody disputes a decision, you have a real problem, right? The um, so um, so that's the main thing is the leaders need to be identified. The routes of communication need to be identified, right? Do you have a weekly community meeting? If so, when and where is it? You know, um, the um, you know maintainers are going to make decisions on acceptance. How does that work, right? Because that's one of the things. Like one thing that we adopted in Kubernetes and a lot of other projects have adopted is this whole thing of at least two people with reviewer or approver status need to plus one something. Okay. Um, the um, and depending on what kind of code it touches, it might you might need multiple approvers in different areas to approve it. Um, the um, so this idea that nobody is allowed to merge something on their own. Um, the um, I mean even me like like one of the things that I'm a reviewer for is the contributor website. Yeah, and even though there are really only three of us doing reviews on the contributor website, none of us merges anything on our own, right? I'll do a PR and then I'll ping um, Tim or Bob and say, "Can you merge this?"
0: Yeah, um, yeah. and
1: and that's really—I mean, first of all, it's a really good practice because the number of ghastly mistakes that you yourself will make and not see, unless somebody else checks it. Um, the um, the other reason, you know, and then that's the sort of thing that needs to go. Somewhere in your project documentation, right? Is that, you know, again, because otherwise you have these sort of... So I guess one of the other principles would be you... One of the things you're really trying to avoid is foiled expectations, right?
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: As in, you don't want a contributor coming in, submitting something, having one person plus one it, and then having them jumping up and down and saying, why is this not merged yet? Yeah. Right? Um, And if it's written in there somewhere, oh, yeah, two approvers need to actually, you know, or approver from each code area needs to approve this um then then you know even if they are hopping up and down you can point them to the docs right and say this is our process
0: do we get down to the level of like here's the SLA for this approval time do we do we, do you get down to that level or
1: ideally yes right okay. that would be a lovely thing to be able to
0: fulfill <laughs> yeah but probably not Yes. Not practical, or yeah,
1: I have I know no projects where the the SLA on response is not aspirational.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, because you know, it's, every everybody's a little overworked. Everybody's um, overworked.
0: It's different time zones. You got to get people together. There's communication yeah. methods. You know, yeah. all kinds the, of things. Yeah. Like
1: um, um, you know, so like every project wants to make the guarantee that everybody's going to get a review. Yeah. But realistically, they can't necessarily. Um, the um, and I'll tell you right now, Kubernetes does not make that guarantee yep. um, that everybody's going to get a review. Um, we try, but, you know, with whatever it is, is, three, 400 PRs submitted a week, it doesn't that's a, always happen.
0: Yeah, that's an amazing amount. I yeah. mean, I've never, I've never really heard the amounts so yeah. you just said that, but that's, that's insane.
1: Yeah, and so that's why, and again, we get into project documentation here, right, and sending people's expectations correctly. Yeah. And we say in the whole guideline to contributing to Kubernetes, we say, hey, you want to join a SIG, one of the project committees, And you want to participate in that SIG and tell them about your PR. Um, Don't just submit it via GitHub and expect that it's going to get picked up by somebody because everybody is super busy, right? And one of the things that we want to know about your PR is if it changes something, are you going to be around to support that change a year from now, two years from now? Um, And that requires actually kind of knowing you personally.
0: So what what happens if somebody's not around to support it anymore? Do we do, is there does there have to be some kind of governance that says okay if this PR is no longer supported there must be someone that you hand it off to there must be someone that either wants to take it over or or we get rid of the, that you know kind of merge or like what what happens? You,
1: the problem is that's not anything that you can really enforce,
0: yeah, right? Yeah. Um,
1: because I mean, among other things, like on, on the most sort of dramatic thing is. You know, whole companies go out of business, yeah. right? And so you get something and, you know, some startup says, hey, we want to contribute this feature to Kubernetes and our engineering team will stand behind it. Um, and then the VCs pull the plug on the startup. Um, that What is that guarantee worth at this point, right? Yeah. The, um, so um, all you can really ask for is best effort. Um, and, and that does lead to a long-term problem, and this is getting way off the topic of governance, but Yeah. it leads yeah. to a long-term problem. That every established successful open source project has, which is you have this body of code that you have inherited, that was submitted by people who are no longer around the project, and new people who join don't necessarily want to take on the job of maintaining that code that they didn't write, and it's really boring. Yeah. Um, but but the older you are as a project, the more. You know, the balance shifts, right? When you're a brand-new project, there is no maintenance involved, right? By the time you're the age of Kubernetes, let alone something like Linux or Postgres, yeah. you know, 80% of the effort in the project is maintenance.
0: Yeah, that's, you know, and and we're getting way off way off governance, but that's, that's yeah, you're right. That's totally not the sexy thing to do anymore, and people probably yeah. get bored of it because people want the new thing. People yeah. want to do the new thing.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, the, um, so... Um, you know, but then this goes back into governance, right? Yeah. So you go into back into governance and you look at something like Kubernetes, there's a large complicated sort of structure. And in Kubernetes, we make it very clear that we have the system of SIGs, um, stands for special interest group, but they're basically yeah. area committees in the project, and some of them are um, some of them are specific technology areas like networking, and some of them are sort of project areas like API, right? Yeah. Um, the um, and, um, and those SIGs have leads who are the approvers for stuff in their area, and the approvers have the final say on something that goes into their area, right? And we try to make that structure clear to people because that's how their contributions are actually going to be evaluated. Um, the, um, and, and, you know, that has a lot of benefits. It's allowed us to do a lot of work in parallel um, because I've been in other projects where there was a sort of final approval committee for everything that went into the project, and that bottlenecks pretty quickly. Absolutely. Um, the um, But the drawback for it, particularly from the perspective of the contributor experience, is if you happen to write a piece of code that touches seven different SIGs, getting it approved takes a long time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, so what's... Do you know the history of like a special interest group? Is that something in technology that's come up fairly recently, or has it – Oh no 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 that
1: goes that goes um, I don't know who started the term SIG.
0: Yeah yeah. I, it's am curious. Unix, about that. It's a Unix thing. Yeah, I, I know that. it goes
1: back as far as the IETF. Yeah. Um, I probably actually goes back further. Okay. Um, I was the, just curious. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, and so that was a it was a Unix thing, um, uh, and and you know IETF net, network yeah. thing. Yeah. Yep, um, they're really you know you can call your groups whatever you want to call them, right? Absolutely, because um, we actually did this thing in the the CNCF setup committees and initially called them SIGs, which was then creating a lot of confusion with the Kubernetes SIGs, particularly because some of them have overlapping areas of responsibility. Oh man, right? Because like t- you know the the CNCF security committee works very closely with the Kubernetes security committee. Um, for obvious reasons, um, and um, um, you know, and so having them called the same thing was really a problem. Um, the um, so then CNCF switched to this term, tag, um, technical advisory group. Yeah,
0: yeah, I um, see
1: that. The um, but you call them other things um, for um, you know, like the conveyor project, for example, um, they're called subprojects. Yeah. Um, the. Um, and, um, and you can call them whatever you want. I mean, yeah. all these names are kind of equally bad. Um, the, um, so, um, But the important thing, getting back to governance, the important thing is whatever name you pick, write it down and put it in your repo somewhere so that people can find it because otherwise they spend a lot of time rattling around trying to figure out who they should talk to.
0: So what, what are some of the things that are top of mind for you on governance now? Like what, what are you thinking about a lot?
1: Um... I mean, the main thing I'm thinking about a lot is helping a lot of these projects, particularly a lot of these smaller projects, actually adopt governance structures um, that reasonably reflect how the project works um, and that are sufficiently open. Um, the um, uh, because we get we run into particularly in the scenes, we run into a lot of projects that started out of a single company, and it's a big challenge for them to turn that from a single company project into a project that has contributors that come from all over the place. Yeah. Um, the, um, it is so, you know, among other things, it is so easy to make a decision in the break room.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, the, um, and so, um, you know, we're getting this first stage of, okay, you need to adopt a governance that is an open structure so that people see on paper that they can join and be part of the decision-making apparatus. And then once you've done that, now we get to the second step, which is you have to actually execute on that, um, which is not necessarily easy. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, Particularly for people who have no prior experience working in, say, public nonprofit organizations or government organizations or that sort of thing. Um, I will say, based on my own personal experience, working in a lot of those sorts of things is not really fundamentally different from working on, say, Local government committees, uh, well, which I is something imagine. I also do, right? Yeah, yeah. The um, and, and again, if you look at where people are kicking and screaming most of the time about local government committees, it's when you have a committee ostensibly for something, but the actual decisions get made somewhere else, right? Um, and that's what I'd say for maintainers who are moving, transitioning from having a very small, tight team, whether it works for the one company or whatever, into being more of an open project is that's the hardest thing. Right, is to avoid making decisions somewhere else um, because that is what will cause people to walk away from your project um, because they feel that their trust has been violated. Like even if they agree with the decision, they still feel like their trust has been violated.
0: So you know you know what's interesting is we talk so much about this this um, governance, you would think there would be something that could help along, like some kind of software or maybe even in, you know, you have like in, in like GitHub, you can pick a license or in, you know, maybe something that could give you like Okay, how big's your project? How big's your... You know, just kind of a step-by-step, and it fits out. Here's a base framework for you, you know, just so that it kind of puts that in there.
1: Yeah, that's something I could imagine happening eventually, actually. Um, I don't think we're at that stage yet
0: um, because,
1: um, you know, we have the set of templates we came up with in the CNCF based on what we saw with the CNCF projects and that sort of thing. Um, The... um, but you know we have somebody at GitHub who's working on this template called Minimum Viable Governance. Um, we have I like that name. <laughs> um, uh, Stephen Wally doing something with the IEEE and that sort of thing. And right now, these groups don't necessarily agree on what's important to put in your governance documents. So we need to have a consensus among the people who are working in different organizations on generic governance for something, and then. When you reach that stage, you can start looking at, okay, what would a governance generator look like, right? One where rather than saying here's a template edit it to your heart's content, one that does plays 20 questions with you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then generates um, a more tailored thing for you to final edit.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's almost like there needs to be like a open governance uh, committee or something that's – and maybe there's something like that. I don't know, but there, there, you know, through all these orgs, these different things that are around, there should be a defined definition and a defined, you know, group of group of documents and resources yeah. that, that everybody can agree on.
1: Well, I mean, on the <laughs> other hand, we want to avoid over concentration, right? Yeah. Because the good thing that I've gotten about people who come for this a very different perspective is sometimes they do have different ideas that were something that like we didn't think of in the CNCF, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then we take that thing. Because, um, for example, we wanted to add a generic template for a value statement um, to uh, the um, to to be used in a um, in a governance document, right? Because setting explaining what your project values are is very important, mm-hmm. right? Um, because it gives contributors, participants, an orientation on what your project cares about, um, and um, the. Um, and we knew we needed this, but we were really having trouble coming up with what a generic value statement would look like. Um, and then somebody developed one as part of one of these other governance efforts. I think it might have been from the minimum viable governance from GitHub. Okay. And I was like, hey, that's actually pretty good. I think I'm going to copy <laughs> yeah. that. Right? Yeah. The um, So so we don't want to, like, choke things off by turning it into a standards committee. I don't think we're anywhere near there yet. Okay. Um, the um, But... Uh, it would be good to have a thing,
0: like something that we can just collaborate ideas. Yeah, between and, the and maybe, yeah. maybe
1: honestly, it would be like <laughs> attach something to Open Source Summit or whatever. Yeah, um, and and have the people who are actually working on providing governance instructions to projects to collaborate up in share notes because I do feel like there is. We're at the stage of having an excessive amount of duplication of effort. Like I said, we do want to have some differentiation, some parallel effort. Yeah. But I feel like too many people are starting completely from scratch.
0: Yeah, and that's really – I mean, that's never the right thing to do. I mean, there's there's so much stuff that's out there. Even when you write code, I mean, developers – And I've said this many times before, I'm, you know, consider myself one, you know, we're lazy in a good way, meaning that if there's an API, we're going to consume it. We're, you know, we're going to just create glue code. So the same thing should apply to governance and apply to everything else you do. If you're not going to create it from scratch in the other way, don't create it from scratch now either. So, yeah, very, very, very interesting. Um, I'm actually interested in governance. I mean, I I think some people think that it's just something you have to do, but I actually find the topic very interesting, you know, so – you know, we're we're actually getting a little bit um, towards the end, but I did want to ask one question that uh, I always I've been asking all week, and that is, we are at KubeCon. Yes. Uh, we've you know you've you've probably you know probably better than a lot like what projects are out there, but there's so much that's around here. Is there anything that you're super excited about? Is there anything that's new that you saw that you're like, oh wow, this is pretty cool? Um, well, so I mean, here's what you're going to get is is the problem is
1: that this ends up being what have you been working on, right? <laughs> um, because because that's what I've been kind of involved with. Like, yeah. we just got uh, Knative to join the C
0: Yeah, that was that's right, cool. That's so cool. Which
1: um, uh, and and I spend a lot of time on that. Yeah. Um, on on helping make that happen. Oh, that's um, awesome. The um, so um, I'm very excited about that um, Me too. because um, it means that we have a lot broader base of potential contributors that realize that, they, that K-Native is open to them, right? Because it was kind of a four-company project for a long time, and, and people who didn't work for one of those companies might not have felt that they were free to contribute. Um, and, and having it in the CNCF makes that clear. Um, and, and maybe having more projects in addition to Kata, you know, and, and other projects pick up on use Knative's tooling event driven development in their own tooling right yeah because it's now part of the ecosystem
0: yeah no that totally makes sense well thank you so much for, for yeah. being on here this has been such a great conversation i've i've enjoyed it so much i'd love to have you back sometime you know and talk about other subjects that okay. are that are really really exciting yeah and um thanks, thanks well, well that
1: you sounds have. like fun well thanks for having me on
0: <laughs> yes absolutely okay.